0: Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. Happy Wednesday, y'all. We got some Pistons talk to get to. We have a game tonight, uh, last night. Great win for them. Much needed win. I mean, they they needed that more than anything in the world. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving basketball with, with MSU and the PK Classic, and we're going to talk about the Detroit Lions and their incoming blowout loss on Thanksgiving like normal. But let's start off with the Pistons today. Nice win last night. Horrible, horrible, horrible coaching as always from Dwayne Casey, and I'm going to get to that. But overall, I just think this group needed to win. I think the fan base needed a win. I think everybody just needed to see a win. I mean, like seven straight losses. You know, we've had some bad Pistons teams through the years. I can't remember a team losing seven straight games. They're not saying this team's like horrible. They're horrible. I mean, I don't. Know. I can't like sugarcoat it anymore. I mean, the team's horrible, but it's horrible because you have your pieces. But at the end of the day, if Dwayne Casey's coaching this team next year, we're screwed. I've reached that point. You let him get through the season, figure it out in the off season, because watching last night's just a prime example of why everybody wants him gone. And I was like, stay patient on him. Stay patient on him. I, I'm done with it. The progression on this team has kind of sucked. In terms of like Saik never got better. Stu, I don't think he's really gotten much better since his rookie year. They're developing a jump shot in him, which should make him a better player. But you now two and a half year he was hurt. I mean, He's been hurt. His progression has been great. Bagley's taking a step back. Livers taken taking a step back. The only guys who have really taken a step forward here. It's killing Hayes, but killing Hayes is only taking a step forward in the last seven games. The progress is just killing me, and the lineups are killing me even more. At the end of the day, if you're closing a game with Corey Knox, Burks, Boyan, and Duran, there's not going to be a lot of ball games won. They squeaked one out last night, barely. I mean, they were one shot away from sending that to overtime and more likely losing. They're very lucky that he missed. Michael Porter Jr. missed the fadeaway, but it's seriously to the point where it's like, Casey, come on. I think he's being told because nobody can be this stupid. I mean, how can you sit there and say, "Oh, well, we're not going to close the game with Jay and Ivy and killing Hayes"? Granted, they played horrible games, horrible games. Corey Joseph and Kevin action should not be on the floor in the final two minutes of your game. I mean, I don't care how bad Ivy and Killing are playing. I get it. You want to teach these guys a lesson. I don't care about lessons, you know. I care about wins. I think the only thing the fans care about is wins and progression from these young players. How are you going to let these guys progress if they're sitting on your bench at the end of a game? Against a good team. I mean, that's a team that's going to be a three or four seed in the West. And the West is stacked. That annoys me last night. That really annoyed me as a fan. You know, he's had a lot of really bad lineups through the years. We can sit here and talk about all of them all day. But that last night was seriously my breaking point. They won that game. But Casey really, I think, truly tried to lose that one for them. It's a little frustrating. From a fan... That's like this team needs to turn it around. But you can't turn it around with your own pieces on the bench. I mean, goddamn, man. Like, okay, we're we're going to finish 15th in the East. 14th, 15th. We're, we're probably one of the top three worst teams in basketball. And I don't think that's a debate. And that's where I'm going to get to this point. Sadiq, we've seen the trade rumors. I've said all year go back to every episode, I've said he's never been a long-term piece. And I honestly, I don't know why everybody else didn't see that. That, That's my million-dollar question. Because I never saw Sadiq Bey as a long-term viable wing. I thought, if anything, he's your sixth man when you're winning. He never felt like a starter on a contending team. The Pistons are finally realizing that, and they're going to cut the ties down and try to get something for him. And I don't have an issue with that. You're not going to get a superstar return. and I don't want a superstar return out of Sadiq Bay. What I want for the Pistons right now is you go out there and load up as many picks as you can get in this draft. In this draft, I mean, this team is further off than I think this fan base thinks. The 15th seed in the East, no matter how good the young talent is and, you know, Cade's injury and Stu's injury. I, I don't care about all that. This was never a playoff year to begin with. Maybe his team plays in next year. And buying for a star right now just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the timeline, I think you got to push it back even further. Unfortunately, that timeline, I thought next year, you know, you go out there, you spend your money, you start winning. But seriously, let's think about this for a second. I'm perfectly fine with that. And that's what I want us to do. But I also want us to load up on draft picks and I don't want to waste money re-signing Sadiq Bay for what? You're going to sign, re-sign Sadiq Bay. You're re-signing him to be a starter. You're not re-signing Sadiq Bay to be on the bench. So at this point, you might as well just trade him. And you're not going to get much for him because he's playing one of the worst years of his career. It, it bothers me. It bothers me that they're playing so bad that it makes me think they're even further back than they should be. You know, you have 40 mils offseason. Use it wisely. Does that mean going out and signing two max contracts, you know, expedite the rebuild? I don't have an issue with it. But, I I mean, right now, if you're looking at the Pistons roster, I'm cool doing one more year of one-year deals and going for absolute splashes 2024. Because if you look at the 2024 free agency class, it is much stronger than this year. You're really wasting your time spending 40 mils offseason, in my opinion, for what? The 11th seed, 10 seed in the East next year? I'd rather spend money in an offseason where your top three agents, where you don't have to make a trade for Draymond Green. You can go out there, and if you want to get DeMar DeRozan, get DeMar DeRozan. If you want to get Chris Middleton, bring him back to Detroit. You have options. Pasco Siakam would be a perfect player for here. DeMontis Sabonis would also be a nice piece for the Pistons Adds a 3-and-D player. You look at the 2024 free agency class, that's where I want the Pistons to spend. It's not this offseason. You're going to spend on what? Cam Johnson and maybe Gary Trent? I mean, that's your 40 mil right there. Because I honestly think if you're going to get Draymond, you're going to take him on a hometown pay cut. You're not going to take on his contract this year. Or, sorry, next year. I'm cool doing one more year of one-year contracts. Developing one more year of everybody because look, this year, I mean, could be done. It could be it for Cade. So you're basically like year two of Cade next year if he's done. He barely played a year two. You're basically going to have year two Ivy, year two Cade, year two Duran next year. Assuming that Cade needs surgery, it's just a really strange injury to me. But at the end of the day, you got to make a trade, Al-Sadiq Bay, And you need to get picks in this draft. I think a perfect player, he might work his way until the top five. And in the draft, I say he's the top five pick. you you got to get Grady Dick. Another guy I'm taking a long, hard look at is Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller and Grady Dick playing on your wings would be genius, and it will work perfectly. The two of them together... Pair that with Cade, pair that with Ivy, pair that with Durant. I'm cool with the starting lineup next year of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, Brandon Miller, Grady Dick, and Jalen Durant. That's a lineup where you look at it in four years, that, that wins titles. Easily. Easily. Brandon Miller looks like a mini KD to me. Just his play style. He's not going to be KD. But he's perfect for the Pistons. Brandon Miller, Grady Dick, you get two, more, you get two picks in this draft. And call it a day. Weaver will get what he wants. He always gets what he wants. If he wants two first round picks, he's going to go out there and get two first round picks. But other guys who I think we should consider moving, I don't know if I'm willing to move on from them yet. At the first guy, I'm just, if you're going to boost Alec Burke's trade value as high as you possibly can. That's the first thing the Pistons should do. And they're, they're truly doing that because he's playing a ton of minutes. He's playing at the end of games. You boost Burke's trade value. The second thing the Pistons need to do is continue to boost Boyan Bogdanovich's trade value. Though I want him around next year, honestly, you need bet presence. You can't have a locker room full of first and second year players. New Orleans, Noel, I don't know what the value is with him. Maybe get something like a second rounder for him. Just get something for nothing. And then you got C. Those are your four guys I think you're completely selling off. Now, am I comfortable moving on from Boyan? No. Because I think the thing about Bogdanovich is, is that the Pistons need that three-point shooter. I mean, he's the sniper. This team has nobody else that can shoot the ball. And don't tell me Livers is a sniper because Livers hasn't been good all year. There's nobody else outside of Burks. that that can shoot the three ball on this team consistently. That's the biggest problem with the Pistons right now. They have no consistency from three. Killian can't shoot. Sadiq's been off all year. Bagley can't shoot. Dern can't shoot. Stu's learning, but he's been hurt. Pojo's. I mean, he, he can shoot. But, like, at the end of the day... You need shooters, and moving on from Boyan might not be the smartest thing, in my honest opinion, because you gave him a fair contract. Unless you want to get 60 mil this offseason. But I think Boyan's basically like a free agent signing for you. To be completely honest with you, that's like a free agency signing. I don't think they're going to move on from Boyan. I think Sadiq's up for grabs, and I think Burks is up for grabs. If this team wants to get the most out of trade deadline, this is the lineup they should play. And honestly, if you want to play your best five guys, this is the lineup you should play. Killian, Ivy, Burks, Boyan, Dern. That's your starting five. Stop telling me that Dern is a starter, and then you go out there and you start Bagley because you overpaid Bagley. That's pissing me off. Casey, you can't go out to the press and say your rookie is ready to be a starter but you go out there and you start the guy who's getting $13 million to do absolutely fucking nothing on the floor. I don't get it. I mean, I do and I don't. But at the end of the day, that's your five. You're going to win a lot of games with that five. Because now you got shooters on the perimeter. I mean, Burks and Boyan now can shoot. And honestly, you pair that with the athleticism of Ivy, that's more of like an NBA, I think, starting five for you. I, I don't like what they've been doing lately. And it's just driving me insane. One guy I want to go actually talk about a bit because I've kind of ignored him or just totally forgot to talk about him on previous episodes is Killing Hayes. Look, I was never a Killian Hayes guy, never a believer, never a fan, never really liked him. I will say this. I'm an equal opportunist. I can't buy into this just yet, but the Killing Hayes I saw all the way up until last night in the last six, seven games, looks like a Killian Hayes that doesn't look like a G League player that doesn't look like he's not going to get a second contract in the NBA. Yeah, he is never going to be that number seven pick. And I've come to terms with that. I've come to peace with that. And I've realized that you probably shouldn't have set an 18-year-old's expectations that high. The problem is it's hard for me to buy into a guy who's played like 80 games and has done nothing up until this point as I stink it up night in and night out. Granted, I see it. He's shooting better. He looks more confident. He's more aggressive. But I will say the biggest thing that has always been the best style of killing in game is his defense. And his defense is really good. Look incredible against Kawhi. So, honestly, his defense helps a lot. That's the one thing I'll say. His defense wins you games. And I'm not opposed to giving him a second contract. What I'm opposed about is paying him more than $5 million a year on a second contract. Paying him seven, eight will drive me up the walls. This was make it break breaking year for Killian. There's still a long season left. He plays like this the rest of the way. Killing gets a second contract in the NBA. He stays on the Pistons roster next year. And maybe he gets play time on a winning team. Maybe. But the last few games, he has not looked like an overseas player. And I will say he's looked like a viable role player on a winning team. But I can't buy in yet. I want to move to my second segment of the day. And that's Michigan State basketball. And they have a big game against Alabama on Thanksgiving at 10 30. First game of the PK Classic. Winner plays UConn, Oregon. Loser also gets them. This is a stacked tournament. You get through Alabama, who I think is the toughest team Michigan State's going to play all year so far. I can't say they're going to play UNC yet. I can't look that far ahead. But every team on their paper, Bama's the best team they're playing all year. Bama has some. Hungry freshman Brandon Miller just talked about. He looks like one of the best freshmen in college basketball. That guy looks like a top five pick to me in this draft. Noah Clowney has been a very, very good pick for them, leading the team at 10 and a half boards. And then they went poorly for Mark Sears. I don't know if you guys remember him a little bit from the Mac tournament, um, in March Madness, but. He's good. I mean, he, he's doing the same thing he was doing at Ohio. He's doing the same thing at Bama. I mean, he's putting up, I think, like 16 a night down there at about. Bama has a squad. They're well coached. I like Oates. I like the length and size they have. They have more length and size than most teams in college basketball. Same with Michigan State. They match up well against each other. It's going to be a barn burn. i telling you, this is going to be a close game start to finish. You have to stay up and watch the whole thing. I think the keys for Michigan State winning against Bama. The first thing I got to do is just set the tone right away. You got to go inside out. Let Sissoko work the inside right away. You start working that inside, it opens up for Tyson. It opens up for Hogard to get to the lane. It opens it up for um, Walker to hit some three balls. You got to go inside out. Get Sissoko going early. Start punching it in their mouth big-time basketball way. Second thing you need to do, you got to hold Brandon Miller under 20. I think Malik Hall can do that. I think this defense is the toughest defense is going to play all year. Because we saw Kentucky's D. It's not really that good. And is kind of garbage. So, Malik, you got to clamp up Brandon Miller. You hold him less to 20, you win this game. I'm cool letting any other guy on the team. I'm cool letting Mark Sears beat us. I'm not okay with Brandon Miller beating us. The other key is Hogard has to control the entire game start to finish. He's been very good at it this year. He's been very good at letting the game come to him. That's something he wasn't so great at last year. And he's been he's been probably one of the best point guards in the nation so far this year. Hogard needs to control this game. If Hogard doesn't control this game, Bama pulls the brakes off of MSU. At the end of the day, you need the bench to also step up. Pierre needs to actually play a good game. He needs to hit the three ball because that three ball is either spot on or or so far off. Akins, I think this is the game that you look at Jaden Akins and you say this is the guy who's going to be one of the better players in the nation's junior senior year. This is the game I want to see him take his big first step. You get a week off. You just had really tough schedule between Bill and Nova, between Kentucky between Gonzaga, he had three really tough games. Now he got to go to Bama after having a week off of practice. And I think that Villanova game, Aiken showed really early in pretty much the entire game that he can score and he can score really well, and he's a hell of a defender. That was the first like step I've seen out of Aitken's. I want to see a bigger step this game. The last segment I want to move into today is the Lions. And Thanksgiving tomorrow, um, you can't ask for a worse Thanksgiving matchup for the Lions. I know everybody wants to watch the Bills play, so that's probably why they put it on national television. But it's going to be a blowout loss. I don't think there's anything this team can do to stop Josh Allen, to stop Stephon Diggs, to win this game. And I don't trust Goff to move the ball enough to win this game either. The way you beat the Bills is you beat them in a shootout. And the Lions cannot beat them in a shootout. Because Goff has not been that quarterback he was the first three, four weeks of the season. What I will say is I need to shut my mouth about Dan Campbell like the guy coached the next few games. I still don't think he's your guy. And I still don't think he's going to be the guy when this team is contending. He will not be the head coach. But he's won three games in a row. He coached two pretty damn good games back-to-back weeks. Last week, he didn't look fly nice. He was taking the points, which he has not done his entire coaching career in Detroit. You got to give Campbell the credit. He's looked better the last two weeks. He's riled off a three-game win streak out of the bye. And you actually got to give him credit for firing Audrey Pleasant because the secondary has been much, much better since Pleasant got fired. So at the end of the day, as bad and as clowny as I think Dan Campbell is, I have to root for the guy at the end of the day. I catch him a break. He's won three straight games. He gets me a seven wins this year, which is what I wanted. I'm cool with him giving him another year. Seven, eight wins, call the season. Six wins, I'm cool with six. Win two more games the rest of the season, I'm happy. If he can win double the games that he won last year, big step in the right direction. And I'm not complaining about it. What drives me crazy is if he doesn't learn how to game manage or screw Because I think this guy, and I'm going to be completely real with you, Monday through Saturday, best coach probably in the NFL. He's working with nothing. He, he has managed to work his draft picks out well. He's developing Rodrigo well, Kirby Joseph well. Say what you want about Hutch as an over pick. He's being developed into a star in the makings. Jump to my conclusions too early on him. He turned St. Brown into a receiver one. And I, honestly, he he's made Jamal Williams look like a like starting NFL running back. He's also made Sewell look really good. And he's made Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift make that run game work. Something no coach in the Lions has been able to have done since Fonts. Got to give that to Campbell. I mean, they're running the ball for the first time since Barry Sanders. They're at least, you know, rushing for 100. They're not throwing the ball for 400 and forcing Goff to throw it 50 times a game. Got to give that to to Campbell. He's done a very good job developing the young players, which honestly, that might just be Campbell's role here. He's a developmental coach who won't be here in five years. They gave him a six-year deal, meaning he was for sure going to be here next year. No matter how badly we all wanted him fired, including myself, he was going to get year three regardless. Because you know how the forwards are. They're going to always hold that long leash. But overall, I think the last three weeks, this is a different football team. I need to shut my mouth, let Campbell coach, and see what happens the rest of the way. I mean the schedule is pretty easy. If I were, let's just make the predictions right now, because I think this is a good time to make the predictions. We're we'll call a loss against the Bills. I'm going to take a win against the Jaguars, which puts you at five and seven. Call it a toss up with the Vikings. If that one's a tough one, we're going to ignore that game for now. Jets on the road with Zach Wilson bench, which I get why they benched him never had that dog get him. He was never going to be that guy. We all said that on draft night, but the Jets still ignored the signs and chose him over Justin Fields. Whatever. In New York, I mean, they just beat the Giants there. A lean out. I'm going to give them a loss there, but barely. Panthers should be a win. Bears should be a win. Packers should be a win. I'm going to give them a loss against the Vikings. I don't think they're going to win that game. To beat the Jaguars, Panthers, Bears, Packers, that puts you at eight wins, eight and nine. Honestly, not so bad of a season. I know the, the schedule's pathetic and you guys are all buying into it. On, this is just on paper, eight and nine. They've to make picks on paper. But from being a Lions fan and knowing how the Lions operate, they're going six. They'll take two of these games the rest of the season. They're not getting the eight. I just know how they operate as a franchise. They've always operated the same way. They lead you on, they make you think they're going to win, and then they suck. Same thing's going to happen this year. I'm telling you. Six wins. On paper, if I were to make the pictures off the top of my head, they win eight. But I'm going to stick with six. I'll see you guys again on Friday, recapping the blowout loss against the Bills, recapping Bama and the PK Classic, and then previewing either UConn or Oregon. We'll talk about that and also talking about the game on uh, Thanksgiving night. We're going to preview Michigan-Ohio State. And uh, that will probably be the agenda Friday, unless some big news pops up here and there. See you guys on Friday, and have a happy Thanksgiving.